0: captain's logs Han Solo I'm captain of the Millennium Falcon
1: this is captain Jean-Luc Picard of the Federation starship Enterprise listening to Captain's Logs and Lightsabers, part of the Geek News Now Podcast Network. Hey, Captain's Logs and Lightsabers listeners. Got tats? Love your ink? But are you worried that your art will fade over time and the cost to keep it looking vibrant and fresh gets to be too much? Well, that's where Mad Rabbit comes in. After just one use, you'll see how Mad Rabbit is effective on old and new tattoos. All natural ingredients are used to keep this from feeling oily or greasy. Even better, use promo code CLLPOD and save a whopping 20% on every purchase. Keep your ink looking great and save money. Check it out, madrabbit.com, promo code CLLPOD. Hey, welcome to episode 32 of Captain's Logs and Lightsabers. My name is Jonathan. I am one of the hosts of the program. We are the podcast on the Geek News Now network that talks about both Star Trek and Star Wars in the same show. I couldn't do this alone, so I'm going to introduce my co-host as he joins me for yet another episode. That's Chris. How's it going? I'm doing great, Jonathan. How you doing? Oh, hey! You know what i I'm having a I'm having a great time. I am happy. There, yeah. <laughs> I'm just happy to record another episode with you. It's It's been a little bit rough personal life-wise, and not not something I want to go into too much detail on, but my personal life has been a little rough the past couple weeks, so I'm happy to have this to distract me. And we had so much fun the last time he was on the episode, and that was episode 31, where we talked about Strange New World Season 2. I had to ask him back for another episode He's he's actually a great Star Trek fan, and I was I don't know if I was expecting to have such a good discussion the last time when he joined us, but he's back for another appearance, and that's John Mark Tolly. How's it going, man? Uh, it's going great. Great to talk some Trek and to talk Benny Sisko. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. And that's what we're going to talk about this, this episode. We're going to skip over How Did You Geek this week. We're not going to talk any news because there's really not much. But back on Star Trek Day, Geek News Now put up a post on its main Facebook page asking the fans, and you know we are fueled by the fans, asking the fans to weigh in on some of their favorite Star Trek captains. They put up a little graphic that had Picard, Kirk, Janeway, Captain Freeman from Lower Decks, Michael Burnham from Discovery, and Captain Archer, and a notable omission from that was cisco and you fans you let us know that you were upset with that there were there were hundreds and hundreds of comments asking where was cisco on the on the graphic and you know we wanted to make sure that you know as as a star trek focused podcast that we responded to that that love of cisco so that's what we're going to do this episode You know, Mark, Chris, and myself, we have come up with several episodes that we feel highlights why Cisco is an awesome Starfleet captain, and just some things about him, some of his personality traits, and some of the things that make him one of our favorite captains. And and we hope that you'll enjoy this look at a a very underrated Starfleet captain. So without too much further ado, we're going to get started. So... What is it about? What is the Chris? Give me just a quick, you know, two or three minute thing. Why you love Captain Cisco?
2: I love Captain Cisco for many different reasons. First of all, I love the fact that he has this little bit of tr- this. Well, I shouldn't say a little bit of trauma. He had a nice quite a bit of trauma watching his wife basically die right in front of him during the battle of Wolf 359 and we see how that was negatively impacting him when he became the commanding officer of Deep Space 9 and it was interesting to see how how negatively that impacted him to the point that he wanted to leave starfleet altogether but working through the trauma with who eventually who became the prophets he kind of learned how to work through the trauma and be able to become this great Commanding officer of this station and to help bring the kind of not necessarily unite the Bajorans, but kind of I don't know, sorry, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> he was also pretty instrumental in helping the Bajorans kind of rebuilding from the occupation, and it helped him to grow as a leader. And he even said five years afterward, when they had to abandon Deep Space Nine, how much that that planet and everybody on that station basically became family to him. You know, so watching him grow from this traumatized person to being able to draw strength from it and becoming this great leader and soldier is something I really liked about him.
1: Yeah, I, I see what you're saying there with, you know, and I and I had a feeling you were going to leave, you know, I I. I, I was fairly certain that we weren't going to get through this episode without at least talking about, you know, his trauma. And I, I, I expected you to bring that up. But, you know, with me having, you know, recently re-entered the mental health field, I'm looking at, you know, the episodes that I watched for this episode, you know, for this recording. I'm looking at the episodes I watched and, and I'm seeing, you know, how all this trauma, you know, affects. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm looking at it through a different lens than I used to. Yes, Absolutely. So, Mark, anything to add to why you, you know, or anything to add to to what Chris had to say, or if you want to go into why you think Cisco is a fantastic captain, you may go right ahead.
0: Oh, thank you. I like, I love Cisco because I think more than any other captain, you you get something for Cisco that we don't see with other captains. That is a family man. You know. Kirk was famously married to the enterprise you know same thing kind of with with Picard with with Cisco we get a father and mm-hmm. I, I love that aspect of him the father aspect I love his relationship with Jake I love the fact that he's so loving with Jake that he's not afraid to say I love you to show emotion you know I think I don't I don't think that's something we got we really got with a lot with the other captains. We didn't get, not that their captains didn't get emotional, but you know, Cisco wore his emotions on his sleeve. You know, you, <clears> what <throat> you, you know, there was no getting around what, what Cisco was feeling. You knew right away. You knew what Cisco was feeling. So I really, <laughs> really like that. Yeah. Yeah. A baseball yeah. fan. I mean, how can you not like someone who's a baseball fan?
1: And I know that is right. you know That's right up your alley. Of course. <laughs> That that's a line drive down your infield actually. <laughs> um <laughs> sorry, bad baseball pun. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I just I I love how Cisco is, is not afraid to get his hands dirty either. Mm-hmm. You know, he he's very much a boots on the ground. And I know you had mentioned this, you know, while we were talking pre-show, Mark. He's very much a soldier. He's a boots yeah. on the ground, not a not a person who's afraid to get his hands dirty and get do whatever it takes to get the job done. I mean, yeah, he's exactly. even
0: above, he's not even above blackmail. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh. Oh yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. I I, th- <laughs> I think it's interesting because I just with their personalities, I couldn't see anybody else during the Dominion War in the position that Cisco was other than Cisco. I could not see Picard basically running the Dominion War like Cisco oh, no, did. No way. And nothing against Picard. Picard was a great captain, you know. I grew up with Next Gen. But that was just a completely different show and a completely different Starfleet, mm-hmm. and what we saw, what we see in DS9, mm-hmm. you know, and as controversial as this may be, I've said this before, and this might be, and I think one of the best things to happen was for Star Trek was Gene Roddenberry's passing. As sad as it might be, as I think, because that allowed the show to go in a, a direction that I don't know if it could have gone mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. Uh, Roddenberry still there. Yeah, I mean, I don't it, think Roddenberry would have liked DS9.
1: No, I, I think you're right because I mean, yeah, the whole idea was always wagon train to the stars, right? That yeah. was that was the the pitch essentially back in 64, you know, sixty four, sixty five when he was pitching the show was wagon train in space, and yeah, the, the the whole idea of being on a space station and not out exploring the stars definitely
0: went against Gene's vision. Well, not, not just that, but the fact that DS9 from the very beginning was a much darker show. Yes. You know, and it, that whole... it's, But it still had elements of Star Trek. It still had that hopeful future and stuff like that, but it was more grounded in reality. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's actually... It's interesting because I've heard, I've heard some people say how, you know, the original series was pitched as a wagon train to the stars well d s nine was basically Bonanza in the stars mm-hmm. or the rifleman
2: yeah mm-hmm. that's
0: that's uh, that was fact that's why i heard it heard it heard heard it described as d s nine was the rifleman in space yes that yeah I don't think I've ever heard it described that way, but it yeah it 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 absolutely
1: makes perfect sense.
2: Yeah. Yeah, he's actually right about that. In the Rifleman, there was a single father with his yeah. son. who was probably about Jake's age, and they came to this town, on the uh, this frontier town on the edge of civilization, basically, bringing law and order to that area. So it yep. sounds exactly like Deep Space Nine.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. pretty much. <laughs>
1: yep. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if in the pitch meeting, that's where they started, right? Yeah, I that's agree, actually, yeah. they did. Yeah. 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 I like it, I, and it, I'm not familiar with the Rifleman, obviously, so I, I appreciate you two uh, having that knowledge and, and sharing that with me, because now I might have to actually go seek the show out if it's anywhere. It's on MeTV. Yeah. Okay, it's on MeTV, mm-hmm. which I don't have, because <laughs> I don't have cable.
0: <laughs> I'm sure you can find it somewhere. It's mm-hmm. uh, Yeah. Yeah. The sure. old Western, it's good, though.
1: Okay, I'll have to check it out. I, I Yeah. Yeah that that sounds I don't have a a very deep relationship with westerns myself but yeah, I mean it it's it's got me in not, intrigued enough to at least check it out so yeah. I can do that I can promise that much mm-hmm. <laughs> So okay why don't we why don't we pick a couple episodes that we as fans of DS9 and fans of Cisco think are pretty or you know or some prime examples of what makes Benjamin Cisco, a great captain, a unique captain. However, our perspective on it is, however, we interpreted that. Let's start with Chris. Why don't you pick an episode for us and tell us a little bit about the episode, and then why you picked it, and and why you feel that's a, a good exploration of Cisco's character?
2: Okay, so the first one I'm going to discuss is from season six, in the pale moonlight, which is a very popular episode among star trek fans and basically this was the episode where the federation was really taking a beating in the dominion war and cisco decides on his own to find a way to bring the romulans into the war so basically he and garrick work together with some sort of criminal to create a holographic representation of a dominion meeting where apparently they were planning the invasion of romulus and so they complete the rod and the, the program rod they have a Romulan senator named Vreenak that comes to the station who inspects it. And he finds out it's a fake. And what it's we find fake. out is it's a fake. It's, a, it's that con, new con expression. That <laughs> <laughs> so we find out that Senator Vreenak shuttle is destroyed after it leaves deep space nine. It turns out Garrick blew up the ship because he knew that it was going to, that the person who created the hologram, wasn't going to be up to par with doing the job correctly. And so by the ship being destroyed, it looked like any kind of distortion in the program was a result of the explosion. So it brought the Romulans into the war, but it's such a fascinating episode because it just, it just, uh, just imagine what kind of psyche that you have to have at that moment. You're, you're watching people that you know dying in this horrible war and then you decide yourself the only way we can try to possibly win this is by tricking people into coming into the war, you know? And then the question is, can he actually live with that? And that's actually what was, he was saying in the very end of the episode, I can live with it. It was, it was almost, Mm -hmm. he was trying to convince the audience, but he was also trying to convince himself Mm -hmm. of of whether or not he could actually live with this. And then he just deleted the whole program and the episode ended. It was, it was just fascinating.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I honestly, when you when I heard that you were doing that episode, I'm like, oh, come on. I want to do that one. <laughs> well, oh. so did Jonathan. Jonathan wanted to do it, too. Everybody, Because that is the quintessential, one of the quintessential DS9 episodes. I mean, right. it's a great, mm-hmm. great episode. And yeah, it just shows you how different Cisco was from the other captains. Because Picard wouldn't even have entertained the idea of doing that. Yeah, yeah, you absolutely. Know. Mm-hmm. Picard often took the, the moral high ground. And yeah,
1: he, he yeah. did not, you know, he tried to find the cleanest solution possible. Yes, absolutely.
2: And that's what yeah. made, Deep, again, Deep Space Nine so different from a lot of the other Star Trek that had come before at that time. No one ever really qu- said to, had that moral question come into play during their time on the Enterprise. You know, yeah. all of a sudden now we got this big war going on and what do we do to save lives? And now the question is, I wish they would have followed up with this to some degree since the show was somewhat serialized because it would have been interesting to see how that really did play with this psyche because think about it every Romulan who soldier who died in that war that, their blood is on Cisco's hands same with any Reman cannon fodder that they talked about in Star Trek Nemesis all those lives are on Cisco's hands because of this lie you know it would have been interesting to see how that would have played with him a little bit more but they they just they dropped it you know that that mm. would just would have been really cool
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I just think his his end, you know, his ascension to be with the prophets. I think that was just meant to be the final, you know, you know, that was meant to be his end. Right. That was the end of his story. And Mm -hmm. anything, any fallout was inconsequential,
0: maybe Mm -hmm. possibly. Yeah. 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 I don't know. What do you think, Mark? I I agree. I mean, I, I, I can see both like. I would like to have seen at least something in the episode where it's brought up somehow, but yeah i I mean I don't know
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean I guess Star Trek has really never been that great at showing the fallout from the you know the adventures that that we see all the ships and and you know Starfleet officers go on we we never really get you know the the cleanup crew, I guess. No, <laughs> well, we do.
0: We have lower decks. Now.
1: Well, we have lower decks for that. Yeah. yeah, pretty much.
2: There was there was only one time in this, in Star Trek where it kind of did get brought back up when Archer. Some of the decisions that Archer made during the Zindi arc of Enterprise's third season, and then when they came back in the back home in the fourth season, they had that kind of hearing or whatever, I guess it was court hearing (laughs) and Archer did get confronted on some of his behaviors. Those not so much by Starfleet, but by ambassadors of all. And so we got to see a little bit of, of some of how that, the ramifications of how that played on Archer's mental health. True. Yeah. But that was Uh, it.
1: I honestly forgot about that episode and it's, it's just been far too long since I've watched, you know, a ton of enterprise. I just get distracted by everything else.
2: It's so hard. <laughs> there's so much Star Trek to watch now. It's, it's hard to go oh. back and rewatch
1: everything. Cause yeah, there's nothing yeah. else to watch. You know? <laughs> All right, Mark, do you have an episode that you'd like to uh, kick us off with? Why? I
0: yeah. would like to start us off or on mine with a, actually a two parter. It is the home front and hold on. Let me pull it up. Sorry. Uh, Homefront and Paradise Lost. Mm. I these are two because I think this really confronts. For so a little background, in this one, Cisco has been recalled to Earth and is basically working as kind of not. I I can't remember why exactly he was brought back to Earth, but there appears to be some sort of attack or some sort of something happens and earth basically goes into a martial law. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you see just how quickly paradise can be lost. And, you know, Cisco is put in a position where he, you know, almost, almost the same, not really the same situation as an inferno's light, but a real moral conundrum, you know, how, how much does freedom cost? Uh-huh. What is the cost of freedom? And I, I love the scene where they're trying, where they're going through and you see, you know, so basically star soldiers on the ground. And he, he's at his dad's restaurant and he's trying to convince his dad to get the blood test. You know, it's just, it's, it, it's, it's one of those episodes that you look back at it on it and you're just like, Wow, they were they were pretty close with a lot of things that have happened in the you know, in the and in, you know since that episode came out, as far as you know what what is the cost of national of of international security or intergalactic security, you know what what is the what is the cost of it? So uh-huh. that's why I really like it. Yeah. Yeah, and and it's
1: it kind of has some echoes uh, at least a little bit to some of the plot points of Picard season 3, you know, where yeah. you have changelings infiltrating, you know, Starfleet across the entire fleet and not, you know, not just yeah. on Earth. Yeah,
0: I I actually I, I kind of sort of forgot about this episode yeah. Yeah. um I mean, until you also mentioned it. You asked the question of, you know, are you willing to give up your your freedoms for for security? Right. Yes. Like, that's the big one. Are What are you willing to give up to be safe? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's it's kind of well, I mean, Star Trek has always been very good about, you know, and, and sci fi in general, which is drawing parallels, u- using examples of things in the future to, you know, to sh- you know, shine a light on what we're dealing with in our current you know, in our in the current zeitgeist, in the current, you know, the way the world is functioning. And unfortunately, so many people are, are just completely not they don't pick up on what you know what this what these episodes are trying to teach us about ourselves. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it was it was pretty for Star Trek it was pretty disturbing watching those soldiers you know beaming into the streets. You know, this was the first time that as Star Trek fans we really saw boots on the ground on Earth. Instead yeah. of on other other
0: planets, yeah. You know, so yeah. It Earth was... has always been in Star Trek. Earth has always been paradise. Yes, you know it's always been this perfect, you know, society. And you know, I think even not just this episode, but a lot of episodes in DS Nine really started to pull back that onion, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that Earth. You know, and I mean, this isn't you know a a uh, Section Thirty One, but Section Thirty One too kind of proved that. Earth's not always necessarily this perfect utopia uh-huh. that we always, you know, it's been portrayed as. It's on, it's you know, held up by a house of cards, and the slightest little, you know, wind gust can cause that whole structure to collapse.
2: Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Absolutely,
0: yeah. It it
1: definitely brings some some heavy connotations, and you know, some heavy subject material to, to really consider how it relates to, to our current world. It's, yeah, it, it's, this is all, you know, and like you said, Deep Space Nine has never really been afraid, you know, from the beginning. It was never afraid to to get its hands dirty. And I think, you know, and same with Cisco. That's, that's one thing I love a lot about the show. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Also, I guess there was a really interesting thing you've never seen before as well. Two Federation starships intentionally attacking each other. That was that was kind of creepy to see that the, the Defiance trying to head back to Earth and the Lakotas there trying to stop them and Starfleet officers actually died in this this skirmish. You had never seen that in Gene Roddenberry's Trek. No way.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mark, did, did did you have any other anything else on this episode that you wanted to highlight?
0: Not at the not right now. Not I mean obviously when we get to other shows, but yeah uh, not with that one right now no okay yeah' so you you picked a
1: fantastic you know set of episodes, and yeah it, it's now, I think I'm gonna have to add that to go back and rewatch <laughs> it's it's yeah anyway, so I know you know we did a season six episode, we did a season four set of episodes. I'm gonna take us back to the beginning for my first and and that's emissary okay. you know that that's the pilot episode of d s nine and i you know we we talk you know this is where we learn everything about Cisco we learn you know that he is a family man we we learn that he's a single father you know because of you know what you know the losing his wife. During the battle of the of Wolf three five nine, you know we get so many aspects of Cisco's character in in a ninety minute episode. I mean, we spend so much time with him. We spend what at least a good forty five minutes of the ninety minutes just focusing on Cisco and his role and how you know what we're going to see uh, in this series you know we find out his you know what his importance is to the Bajoran religion and the faith you know it, the fact that he is there you know he ends the episode as their emissary right yeah he you know, we see the tension between Sisko and Picard we find out that not everybody looks at Picard as a hero you know this is this is the first time we really get to see a, a ton of fallout from you know so so front and center you know in yeah. Star Trek And then, you know, of course, we get the whole reveal of the wormhole, you know, that being where the prophets live. But, you know, but Cisco is able to explain humanity and linear time and get them to basically allow the wormhole to stay stable, which opens up the Gamma Quadrant. And, of course, that sets up, you know, so much of what will happen later on in the series. Mm -hmm. But it's it it was a lot. There's a lot that happened in that episode.
2: Oh, absolutely.
1: So, yeah, it's it's just one of those episodes that just really shows us that that DS Nine is going to be a complete departure from the Trek that came before it. And i i was I was hooked from the moment I watched it. So, and I still think it's one of the best, you know, openings to a TV show. You, yeah, okay. I've I've gone on a lot about how much I love emissary. What do
0: you guys think of that? The episode. I I enjoyed it. It's been a while since I've seen *Emissary*, to be honest. But okay, it was a it was, you know, *Star Trek* has always had a iffy relationship when it comes to season season, not finales, but pilot episodes, first Mm -hmm. episodes. I mean, as much as I love *Next Generation*, the pilot episode was not that great of an episode. Um, It's very rough. Yeah, yeah, it is. But yeah, I mean, Emissary was a was for Star Trek was a pretty good pilot to start to start the series, and it really got showed the what the show is going to be about. I felt, and from right from the jump, you understand that this is a different captain, this is a different show. Mm -hmm. I mean, right from the jump, you know, you're getting into something that is not like you're not like it's not it's not your daddy's Star Trek. Mm Yeah.
1: I I think, you know, this episode really shows us as the audience that, you know, that Cisco is not someone who who is afraid to show his humanity to, you know, to to be human, to admit that he's not, you know, omnipotent that he's not perfect that he makes mistakes. You know, he he's a flawed individual who is at the time we we meet him at the start of DS9, he is dealing with a lot of trauma you know he he basically you know was unable to save his wife from dying and you know, he you know he 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 rescued his son but he was not expecting to you know to essentially be a single father you know at at such a young age and that just that event changed the person he would become mm-hmm you know, throughout, you know, through the next few years until his Deep Space Nine assignment. And then, you know, through the course of the series, I mean, that Mm -hmm. his role as a father defined him. Yeah, Mm
2: -hmm. absolutely. And I think it's also fascinating, too, that he didn't really realize the extent of his trauma. And it was the prophets who actually finally showed him that by, because Cisco even said at one point, why do you keep bringing me back to this Mm -hmm. moment? And they said, he exists, you exist here you know and i finally got him to realize okay my my whole life everything i've shaped in my life now moving forward has been in this moment what am i going to do now to kind of move forward so that i can be happy i can be good for jake and i can be good for this new assignment that i have
1: yeah. you know you you pretty much wrote exactly what i had in my notes on that so <laughs> <laughs> yes yes i I'm glad that you called that out because if you hadn't, I probably would have, but yes, just you know just forcing him to face his trauma head on was yeah it's 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 interesting looking back at things, you know looking back at that episode, now knowing you know that what he experienced is trauma, you know mm-hmm, it's yeah. i the first time I watched the series, I was in my twenties, I had no idea. Mm-hmm but watching it again yeah you, you start to you 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 start to see things a lot differently
2: oh absolutely yeah. yeah
1: so yeah any 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 other thoughts on 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 emissary
2: i thought it was interesting that they actually brought the whole concept of essentially of religion into star trek for the first time it yeah. was never really discussed in the original series or next gen and they didn't really talk about any of earth's religions but i mean they brought the bajoran religion as this big focus and mm-hmm. it lasted all through the series. I mean, it got a slow start, and it really started to build more and more. I'd, I'd say around season four, but uh, it, it was they it, it, they developed this whole different kind of religion, and Cisco kind of becoming the messiah, basically. And then we find out it's almost a predestination paradox. If you watch Emissary, the prophets act like they have no clue who Cisco is, but we find out in the seventh season premiere that Cisco was actually one of his parents was actually part prophet. You know, which, yeah. which was a very interesting spin on the whole thing. So the prophets knew all along who he was, so they had to make sure he was created so that way they can have him at that moment in emissary where they could get his life back on track so he can be the emissary in the future. <laughs> you know, very, very interesting dynamic.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I And I it's been so long since I watched it. I forgot about that detail that he was, you know, he has, uh, basically, you know, was it his mother that was part prophet then?
2: Yes. Her name was Sarah. Okay. And she was uh, okay. so a profit shared her existence for a period of time so she can meet Joseph. And then as soon as Ben was born, the prophet left her. And then the marriage ended
1: because she was a different person. Exactly. Yeah. Then, than the one that, that dad fell in love with. And, and yeah, I completely forgot about that one's existence. So (laughs) you guys are teaching me stuff that I forgot. (laughs) (laughs) Any,
2: any final thoughts on Emissary? I think it was one of the better pilot episodes overall of all
1: the series. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It definitely resonated with me as, as the best. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, I, I do, I can't really remember much of Voyager's uh, pilot episode and Enterprises was good, but it was a little, yeah it was a different it was a different type of of pilot episode though itself yeah. yes yeah yeah mark yes. do you want to give us your second episode
0: so I was thinking about this and it's a couple there's a couple ones and this because I think it shows how Cisco because cisco dealt with betrayal and there is by inferno's light where mm-hmm. the the Cardassians joined the Dominion and kind of really kicks off the Dominion war. And then I think the one though, that I like really affected Cisco was the loss of, for the cause and for the uniform where we mm-hmm. see the defection of Michael Eddington to the Maquis. And those, I mean, I think more than anything, you really see how hard Cisco takes betrayal like just so, so hard. And I think even more than, cause I don't think he trusted Decot at all, uh-huh. but with Eddington, this is someone that, you know, he, he, he ate, he had dinner with, he trusted implicitly. This was a Starfleet officer and just, you know, for him to, in his mind, betray the, betray the uniform like that just was such a, a hard thing for him, but I picked Inferno's light because I mean, this was, this was the episode that really kicked off the dominion war. Uh I think this is really when deep space nine for me really hit its stride. Like really, you really get into the meat of deep space nine. You can kind of tell that this is what the writers were working towards. Like this is where they're heading toward, you know, everything that has been leading up to this. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, mm-hmm. it's something
0: we hadn't seen in Star Trek
1: right right um, and yeah and all of it was peppered in throughout you know yeah. I mean we still have our you know your classic trek episodes and your 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 classic storytelling setups but yeah you had all of those little bits peppered in and then it just finally came to you know to a head yeah,
2: mm-hmm. yeah. i I'll never forget I'm glad that that those episodes aired before the internet was really big. Because when they found out, we were watching the episode that night, and we found out that Cardassia joined the Dominion. That was such a, a like,
0: jaw dropping moment that you weren't yes. expecting, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, right? when, when he when he's going when the uh, when Dukat's ship turns around, and he, I think it was Kira, yeah, said you know said, Yo, you can't take them on by yourself, and he's like, oh, we're not going to attack them. We're there to join them. And it was just like, yeah, that was such a. I think I think I not to put this in in but I think doing an episode with you guys on Dukat as one of the best Star Trek villains. Mm, would that's be, a good idea. Yeah, that would be fun because he is one of my favorite Star Trek villains of mm. all time, almost even oh. more so than Khan. It's yeah, cool, but Dukat is just such a nuanced villain, mm. and, it, yeah. and, a, and a perfect foil for Cisco. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yes. Yes, because they are more alike than than either of them wants to admit.
0: Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Really, exactly. <laughs> I mean, single fathers. Yes. Yeah, both.
1: Both would do anything for their family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah, it, it, it's it, it's it's, <laughs> and and that's one thing you know. Cisco knew who his enemies were the basically the entire run of the series. You know, they you know because they weren't out charting the stars. You know, they they knew what to expect and yeah. it was a lot more it, it felt more like
0: a chess match, you know, throughout I, I the run of the series. And going back to, to Eddington, I think that's why Eddington's betrayal was so was so hard for Cisco was he didn't know that Eddington was an enemy. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, and that yeah that was something that was not like you know, it was it was like it was like putting an extra piece on the chessboard. And suddenly he's, and I, you know, Eddington probably didn't see himself as an enemy of, of Cisco. You know, the whole Maquis thing to me, was just fascinating. You know, it's that whole, you know, yeah. It's just in how so many people in Starfleet are just, we're just so put off by them.
1: Right. But it, it was between that and, you know, with, with, the Dominion War and and the Maquis infiltrating Starfleet. It, it yeah, this show and, and base and Trek of the nineties really started to show all of the, the cracks in the armor that was Starfleet. You know, yeah. you see that as an organization they hold themselves to such lofty ideals, but there are still people that don't feel like that, you know, that, that Starfleet is the answer.
0: Yeah.
2: And it was also one of the first times that you've ever seen one of the captains actually become beyond obsessive about a situation. I mean, yeah. yes, we I mean you saw Kirk in in the episode Obsession where that dicharonium creature, he was obsessed about killing that. You see Captain Janeway in Equinox Part Two going after Captain Ransom because of him killing those those creatures to get home quicker. Cisco was actually going to destroy every Maquis colony in the, the demilitarized zone, poison every single planet until he got. Eddington and that's, that's yeah. finally what finally got Eddington to stop mm-hmm. you know and surrender yeah. was was destroying the yeah. tra- threatening yeah. that. You know yeah. you don't that, s-
0: that, that it's, it's so it's so unusual because I know as the audience you're always supposed to, you know, side with Starfleet. You know, that's the whole mm-hmm. idea. But with the Maquis, I find myself so many times siding with the Maquis. Like they're just people who just want to be left alone. They just uh-huh. want their own, you know, and they're put in such a unusual position and such a bad position. You know, you got, you know, no matter what they do, they're not going to be free.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I think we could probably write dissertations on, on DS9. I Honestly, you know, know. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're creating good ep- episode ideas for the future. Just randomly yeah. coming out. <laughs> an episode on Dukat. And if we're going to do an episode on Dukat, we have to do one on Weyoun, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs>
0: yeah. oh. oh, I love Weyoun.
1: Oh, right? Mm. I mean, Jeffrey Combs. Uh, I mean, yes. Yeah. He's
0: been in pretty much everything Star Trek, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: He hasn't been on Discovery yet. Hmm. He hasn't been on strange new worlds yet or Picard or Picard. Well, that, that's, yeah, that's that, that, that's a, man. yeah, that's a lost yeah. Yeah. opportunity. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. we're not, oh, we're, okay. <laughs> we're not going to make up for, you know, we're not going to make excuses for Paramount, mm-hmm. but come on, give us some Jeffrey Combs at least once. Absolutely. Yes. All right. <laughs> you, you Mark, you had talked about Ducat and wanting to do an episode on him, and I am totally on board. That's actually I, I one of the episodes that I picked, My next one is is a a very fun, a very good episode of DS Nine, and it pretty much you know it's it's kind of a bottle episode. You know it it really only features. Cisco and Dukat and a few other the DS9 crew members. But that is, uh, it's an episode from Season 6. It's called Waltz. This, If you guys remember, this is the one where Dukat and Sisko are on board the USS Honshu, and they're en route to Dukat's trial for the war crimes against the Federation. The ship, the Honshu, is attacked and destroyed by uh, some Cardassian fighters, and Dukat, Helps, you know, he says, you know, he helps Cisco escape the brig where he would just come to visit him, and they get on a shuttle and they're able to get to a planet where Ducat actually, you know, helps put a, a, a splint on Cisco's S- arm where he had the plasma burns, to, you know, to kind of try to heal him. And it looks like he's taking care of Cisco, of but, you know, we kind of find out that. Ducat is really as bad as you know Cisco thought he was. Even though they could relate, and even though they had, you know, they, they were able to share some of their trauma, you know, over losing family members. You know, Ducat losing his daughter, and and you know Cisco, of course, losing his wife Jennifer. Yeah, unfortunately, they are still essentially mirror images of one another. With with Ducat being completely evil. And, and Cisco still, you know, Cisco is still good, but he just isn't afraid again, isn't afraid to get his hands dirty to get the job done. But that still is what separates those two from one another is, is Ducat is essentially evil personified. And we find that out in that episode. What do you guys, what do you guys think of Waltz? Do you remember that episode?
2: absolutely i think it was interesting obviously the the banter between cisco and ducat i think what really interested me in the episode was not so much the cisco piece but where how you ducat basically saw himself as a savior of the bajoran people when during the occupation and Uh in in his mind he was basically this messiah who tried to help them and through all their toils and troubles and and any time that cisco would actually try to would go against that he didn't want to hear it. He just, it went against this fantasy that he had, and it just seemed to drive him apart more, more mad than what happened with Zial being killed. You know, it's just, It was just fascinating to see how he, how he thought of himself during the occupation when billions of people hate this guy. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was just, it was just really interesting. I mean, they, we had seen over the years little bits of that building up, but this is exactly where we finally saw that happen. I just thought it was fascinating for it to finally come out and see what Ducat really thought of his time there and how yeah. skewed it is compared to everybody else.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you know, Ducat is clearly having a psychotic episode. You know, yes. when he sees the 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 hallucinations of Wei and he also sees, I think, the one that really ultimately is the one that sets him off is he sees Kira, Mm -hmm. Kira Norris, and she's constantly berating him, you know, the hallucination form. And that's kind of, you know, he, he, that's what actually pushes him over the edge is because, you know, he pulls out a phaser and tries to shoot the, the Kira hallucination Mm -hmm. you with, with his phaser. So yeah, it's, it was another good representation of, of mental health. You know, and I forgot again. I kind of forgot about that being such a heavy part of the episode until rewatching it for this. I I promise you, the next one that I chose is not does not have as much mental health related stuff. So, well, (laughs) actually, you know what? No, I take that back. Never mind. There's obviously a theme here subconsciously that I put together. So, before we get to my next episode, (laughs) Chris, why don't you give us your third? highlight episode and tell us why you why you picked that one
2: all right so the next one i picked was from the third season it's called the Is cast which was actually the second part of a two-parter the first episode was called improbable cause and that's when garrick shop was blown up and they tried to find Mm -hmm. out the, the, the particular reasons as to why and we find out by the end of the episode that the Romulan Tal Shiar and the Obsidian Order of the Cardassians joined together with a fleet, and they were going to go into the wormhole and attack the Founder's homeworld. So, And then we go into the dais cast, and obviously Sisko betrays orders. They're supposed to stay in the Alpha Quadrant to defend Bajor with the Defiant. But Sisko betrays orders, and some and the crew decide to follow him, and they go into the Gamma Quadrant. They manage to rescue Odo and Garrick, and the, the fleets were destroyed. There were 150 Gemidar ships that came after the fleet and wiped them out. And the reason why I picked this as a really good Cisco episode is I'm very fascinated. I love the episodes where you get the characters, especially the commanding officers, where they feel as though their crew members, the, the people that, they, that are basically family to them, are worth more than the bigger picture and we've seen a lot of that in or maybe somewhat in star trek. I mean, you go back to star trek 3, I mean, Captain Kirk risked everything and even destroyed the enterprise just to go back and and get spock from genesis. And he even says in the episode or in the movie, Spock says, "You came back for me. Why did you do this?" and Kirk says because the need of the one outweighed the needs of the many. And that's kind of what happened with Cisco. He was willing to to break orders and risk his career and even risk the safety of deep space 9 and Bajor itself just to go back into the Alpha or the Gamma Quadrant to go and get his, his officer. You know, Mm -hmm. I I just think that that's, that's very admirable of a quality of a a commanding officer. And I know it wasn't the biggest theme of the episode, but that's just something that stuck out for me with that with Cisco.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he cared about his crew. He cared about the the people under his command. I, I mean, you could make a case that every Starfleet captain sure. does, mm-hmm. but some definitely show it more than others, yeah, yeah yeah, and that's i mean I, I kind of left the assignment open for you guys picking episodes, of course, so yeah, how whatever whatever makes a good case for you believing that Cisco is a good captain, mm-hmm. it was fair game. So yeah, I'm not as familiar with this episode either. And like I said, you know, it's, it's, you had a reason for picking it. You, you, yeah, you, you, you brought up a very interesting character trait that, that most Starfleet captains share, but Mm -hmm. some again, take it more seriously than others. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So thank you for picking that episode. Mm -hmm. Mark, I, I know you've probably been saving this one for last.
0: Yeah. Yeah. uh, Intentionally. I'm, I'm certain. Yeah. (laughs) My third one is Take Me Out to the Hollow Suite. It's the baseball episode. I like it. I I think this is such a good episode. For one, it's just a fun episode. And in a series that is so such a serious Star Trek series and so you know a lot of ways, you know, the the more darker at the time at least the most dark Star Trek series we've had. It was always good when they had these kind of fun episodes like this. Like I think of this one. I think of little green men, that are just kind of, kind of fun, fun episodes. And you know, a big part of Cisco's upbringing and personality that we get from the very beginning, that we kind of is part of who he is, is his love of baseball. You know, he always mm-hmm. has that baseball on the on the desk on his desk, and a there's a Vulcan captain that comes to visit, and you find out that. They've always been kind of rivals, and mm-hmm. one thing leads to another. And they go, you know, they have a baseball game, and you kind of see, you know, the the Niners, as they're called, as the Deep Space Nine team is called, versus <laughs> the what was the name of the Vulcan team? It was the. Uh, oh, is I it the logistics? logistics, lo, lo, logic, <laughs> logi- yeah, something like that. Logicians, yeah. Mm-hmm. But just the fact that you know what he loves about baseball is the unpredictability of it that every time you throw a pitcher throws a pitch, there are innumerable amount of things that could happen exactly mm-hmm. and you know that's again that's one thing I love that's what one thing I love about baseball is you know it's so much thinking goes into it you know as as a player as a you know if you're a player, if you're a coach if you're just watching it you know. <laughs> you you know, depending on what the situation is, you have a man on second with no, with two out, with no outs, you know, do you bunt in this situation? Do you go for a hit? Do you, you know, if you're defense, how do you play it? Do you try for a double play? What type of pitcher, what type of pitch do you pitch if you're the pitcher? All different types of things. And, you know, we see, we finally see this. I think this is the episode where we really see, the crew, the D S9 crew, all of them kind of come together as a family.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: You know, we finally kind of see everyone kind of be like, all right, we you know we've we've seen it, you know, bits and pieces here and there, but this is the one where even even Quark is is in is is in on you know, kind of see see him coming in and Rom and Nog and all of these other, you know, you know, different people kind of come together and and kind of join this, become a family and become a team. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It, Mm -hmm. it unified the whole crew. I mean, you know, you had, you had, you essentially had, yeah, you had Quark coming in with the Ferengi interest and his whole crew. You had Kira and and the Bajorans, and then you had Starfleet and yeah, all three of them coming together and finally functioning as, Mm -hmm. as a, a cohesive unit
0: was incredible. One thing mm-hmm. I wanted to talk, and this is kind of off, off, but I still think this is, you know, it's not something that you see in a single episode, is, is his relationship with Dog. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. how he kind of has to confront his own biases when it comes to the Ferengi. You know, from the very beginning, right. you, see, you can see even, you know, he even says, basically Seth tells Jake, I don't want you hanging out with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he but, has to very, you know, very quickly, you know, realize like, oh, wait, I have, you know, definitely have. And that's one, th- we see that throughout Star Trek, how there are certain races, you know, they, they're, you know, Starfleet's supposed to be so high-minded and all this stuff. But yet, one of the first things you see when the Ferengi, you know, first kind of show up in Next Generation, Riker basically says, I don't want them next to me. <laughs> yeah. He basically yeah. says like I don't want the I don't want their kind un- my, next to my quarters. Like uh-huh. that's kind of racist, a uh-huh. little bit.
1: Uh-huh. Racist, xenophobic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean yeah, it's. <laughs> and this series finally, you know, broke Ferengi out of the monoculture, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. trap too. Yeah. You know, this yeah. series gave so much. Material and so much depth to Ferengi, and it, it's yeah, yeah it, it's so much about it's it's about profit, and that you know capitalism kind of drives their entire society. But they're still they're still individuals, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're still complex. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? That's what Star Trek has always been about, right? Is right. you know finding finding the humanity in even the alien races. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I I like Mark how you brought up you know the the whole idea of the pitch, right? Yeah, and and how a thousand different things can occur with every single pitch. I, that's something that, that Cisco used in in the emissary to explain linear time to the prophets, yeah, right? Exactly. You know, yeah. it's 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 a constant
0: metaphor. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's yeah. I just thought that was. And of all of all the sports, you know, baseball was the one that was kind of used because it is so much a, a thinking man's sport.
2: hmm.
0: You know, people may call it boring, but I love it. But, you know, mm-hmm. that's yeah. beyond. Mm-hmm. That's not <laughs> here
1: Baseball is is very misunderstood as a sport, I think. I do
0: too. You know, it, it it we don't get the complexity. No, no. And I always tell, like, what my wife used to always say, not to get off topic, like, she was like, oh, baseball is boring. Baseball is boring. I go, watch it live. Yes. Watch it live. And I told her, and I told her, because when we first started, you know, going to games, I said, get a program and follow the program. You know, do the, you know, follow, like, okay, this is an E3 air, you know, single. Mm -hmm. That That will, that will, you know, kick your brain in. You'll, you'll actually watch the game and understand, you know, the, the complexity of the game and how everything works and that right. help her, you know, she, she says that she, she prefers watching baseball live than she does, you know, on TV, which I actually, I actually prefer listening to on the radio. That's what I, I love listening. Uh-huh. I love listening. I love listening to it on the radio, listening to the, uh, the announcers and stuff like that. But again, this isn't a baseball podcast. <laughs> I could do that too. <laughs> All right, I know you You have to leave us here, Mark. Yes, unfortunately, I got to go pick up my wife here. She just texted me, says, I'm ready when you are. I'm like, okay. Let me.
1: <laughs> All right, I know Chris and I have an episode each to go over, but we'll do that without you. Before you drop out, give me or give the listeners just a little tease of some of your other projects that you have going on.
0: Well, of course we have our main show, me and Garrett K Jones, War of the Stars, a Star Wars podcast right here on GNN. Currently we are going through our review of the Ahsoka series. We just dropped our episode five review and we will be doing the the episode six here uh, pretty soon. And we also have, our other show with me and my daughter star Wars to the eyes of a child. It is our YouTube show where the stars is our audio podcast. What were the stars is our, our, our star Wars to the eyes of a child is our mm-hmm. uh, YouTube show. And in it myself and my daughter, Lily or Cecily, as she wants to be called now, she's just turned nine and she suddenly decided that she wants to go by her, her full name, Cecily, instead of just Lily. Mm. Yeah, she's at that age now. She knows um, what she wants, right? <laughs> We're watching the Clone Wars in canological order. In fact, we just recorded our latest episode and plan on having it up in the next few days on our on our on the GNN YouTube show and the War of the Stars YouTube channel. Uh, Very nice. So if like those out there is a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun doing our my getting my fandom with my with my daughter like that that's been a lot of fun yeah it's great that you guys have the opportunity to
1: share that with one another and yeah it's it's always fun seeing star wars you know from the perspective of the age group that it was written for right yes
0: yes yes definitely definitely other than that that's about it you know we got our, our all social media we are pretty much under just look for war of the stars our face, our Twitter or X, whatever it's called now. My uh, Garrett calls it Twix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. I like uh, it. Yeah. Now yeah, we're at War of the Stars One. That's also our email, 1 at That's That's about it. So, <laughs> yeah. Very nice. Check out the shows. Yeah.
2: I just gave you yeah. a subscribe.
1: Awesome. Yeah. I'll check that out. Definitely. Nice, nice. Well, thanks again for joining us, Mark. Thank I you appreciate
0: so you coming on. Yeah, yet again. Um, yeah, anytime. We'll, you know, just let let me know when you're doing that that Ducat episode. Yeah, uh, yeah, we'll yeah. do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think it might be a little while till we get to that because I do want to actually do this Captain series, you know, and, and do the other captains that we haven't had, mm-hmm. you know, that we haven't talked about. So mm-hmm. we'll, maybe we'll do a villain series then. After that, nice. who knows? Amazing, <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely okay thanks again for joining us i war of the stars and star wars through the eyes of a child go check out both of those shows with gnn mark we'll catch you next time
0: take care sir live long and prosper
1: you too yes sir yes sir all right good night okay chris let's let's pick back up and you have one more episode to talk about right
2: Yes, and now it's not one specific episode. It's actually three episodes all kind of in in one little, like, three-parter. So it it was the second season premiere of Deep Space Nine. It started with the Homecoming, then the Circle, and ended with the Siege. This was a year after the Federation takes over Deep Space Nine, and basically the provisional government is starting to fall apart on Bajor. And there's a group that forms... On Bajor to try to get rid of it. Basically, they're for Bajor for the Bajorans is what the, their slogan mm-hmm. was. It was called the Circle, and what they didn't realize was is they were actually being supplied with weapons by the Cardassians, who they absolutely despised. And so, for the course of a couple episodes, there we find out that there is. There's a Bajoran war hero named Lee Nallis who is rescued and brought back to Deep Space Nine. And basically, Mm -hmm. Kira is removed from her role as first officer. He's put in. But in the process, we find out that Kai, Wynn and one of the provisional government ministers, Minister Jaro, they're all working in collaboration with the Circle. And so they have to bring this evidence to basically the provisional government to prove that the Cardassians are involved. And what happens is at one point the Majorans decide they are going to – they want everybody off of Deep Space Nine, and they have like 72 hours or whatever to get off the station. And Cisco and some of the Starfleet crew decide, no, we're not leaving. So mm-hmm. they evacuate the station, but they stay behind to fight the, the members of the circle who are fighting against the provisional government. And that, that was pretty much what the episode – the three-parter was all about. What I really liked about it is is it showed the kind of growth with Cisco in terms of his relationship with the Bajorans. During the first season of Deep Space Nine, there were yes, there were Bajoran episodes, but not a whole lot about Cisco's relationship with the Bajoran people. And this was really the first episode where we started to get to see how he feels about the Bajorans. He says to Dax in the season premiere, he says, I'm I'm starting to see everything that we've worked for this past year start to unravel. So you can start to see that he's starting to really care about the Bajoran people and what happens to them, not even just about the spirituality, but just the planet and the people themselves, you know, and, and that continues to go on because at one point I think Jake was going to date a Bajoran girl and her father wouldn't allow her because Jake wasn't Bajoran. And so he kind Mm -hmm. of had like some racism actually going on as a result of this. And, and Ben even says to Jake when he's comforting him, I'm sorry that you had to go through something like this, you know, and. So we got again, and just the fact that he decided to stay on the station so that they could actually get the, the evidence to the Bajoran government that the Cardassians were involved in this whole thing so that things could go back to normal and the government can start to run normally again. It was just a, for me, it was just a nice way to see his progression from the pilot where he didn't even want to be there right with deep space nine or with or work with the bajoran people now they're start you're starting to see where it's going to go the rest of the series where he genuinely becomes an important part of these people you know Mm -hmm. and what he's willing to do to help these people
1: yeah yeah he 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 believes yeah he went from a man who like you said yeah did not want to even who'd really considered giving up his Starfleet commission and resigning, yes. mm-hmm. you know, to raise Jake. And he gets this assignment on, you know, what he figures is going to be just, you know, a backwater, you know, society he's kind of being put on the frontier, you know, to be forgotten about, but yet that's precisely where his destiny lie. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. is, is, you know, is on deep space nine near Bajor and, mm-hmm. and being so important to those people. Yeah, he by that point he had essentially fully committed to his role and his and everything you know the expectations of a father, the expectations of a commander, and the expectations of a religious figure. Yes. I mean, yeah he he's he's always been a, a man who walks you know in three different worlds. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, you know, reluctantly or or not, you know. Yes yeah yeah no that's a that's a great that's a fantastic pick you know you like you said you get you got to see his his acceptance of his role to the Bajorans he, you got to see him be the father and be there for his son and yeah you you got to see every aspect of Cisco that that makes us love him so much
2: yes it was for the first time we were actually able to see him pushing the boundaries of being, mm-hmm. uh, being a Starfleet officer. He didn't do that in the first season, but as soon as the second season started and he started to see the stakes that were and everything that they tried to do in, in the last year falling apart, that's when you finally saw the Cisco bit, bit to the point where he's like, okay, I'm willing to break the rules or I'm willing to sacrifice myself or something just for the greater good.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, fantastic pick. I'm going to wrap us up with one of my absolute favorite two-part stories in in star trek and that's past tense and i know i had let you let you know that i was gonna tackle this episode i just i love it i think it it, it really you know it it establishes how much cisco lo- you know was in love with the 20th century i mean that's you know you figured that's when baseball was in its prime yeah you know, and you you see that he it wasn't just baseball that Cisco had an obsession with, with the 20th century for, and that, and it was also, you know, culture and, and the things that led, you know, the, the catalyst that led to Starfleet being created was, you know, w- it was the, you know, the, the, the sanctuary districts in 2024. Yeah. So just, if you don't remember the episode, you know, those of you that are listening, a transporter accident sends Cisco, Dax, and Bashir to 2024 San Francisco in the days leading up to the Bell Riots, and those riots were the catalyst for what you know started to get Earth to start thinking of, of protecting its people, and and you see, you know, the framework of Starfleet is is, is essentially built out of the ashes of the Bell Riots, and, and you know, the as with any Star Trek time ep- time travel episode the, uh, ultimately you know despite best efforts they ended up <laughs> embroiled in the events <laughs> that mm-hmm. are going on and and because you know Cisco gets involved in a fight in the Sanctuary District his actions get Gabriel Bell killed and of course mm-hmm. Bell is who the Bell riots are named for you know he becomes a martyr a symbol for the people to rally around and and you know without missing a beat Cisco you know jumps in and takes Bell's place with again without missing a beat to ensure that he undoes the damage that he caused mm-hmm. and and ensures that he has a future to go back to absolutely it It's just such a fantastic episode mm-hmm. it's you know he always you know Cisco always showed that he had. A, a sympathetic heart for social inequ- in, in, inequalities. Mm-hmm. You know, he was always one to stand up for those who are unable to uh, stand up for themselves. Right? Yes. You know, it, it, it's just a very, very heartwarming episode, and it it shows you that you know that Cisco will go to any lengths to right any wrongs that he that he sees. Mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Yeah, I I agree with you on that 100 percent. I also love how the episode kind of got mentioned in the second season of Picard, where they actually do go to 2024 and we see some of the sanctuary districts There are even little signs Mm -hmm. that you can see where that was brought up. And, you know, one thing Star Trek always seemed to do was kind of predict the future in its own way, especially when it comes to technology. So sure. who would have thought 30 years ago, it was what, the end of 94 or early 95 when this yeah. two-parter aired? You know, 30 years before. And we have sanctuary cities nowadays. And, 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 yeah. you know, and it, it's just unbelievable that they, they actually predicted that all those years ago. <laughs> you know, And by the way, if, if you watch the episode, the date that Cisco and Bashir showed up was August 30th, 2024. We're less than a year away from that event.
1: I know. Isn't I that know. Weird? And I, I wasn't sure when you mentioned uh, you know thirty years in Star Trek predi- predicting the future. I had no idea where you were going going with that. Mm-hmm. I thought you might actually mention George Floyd, which of course you know that kicked off an entire movement of mm-hmm. of social awareness and and picking mm-hmm. at you know picking apart social inequalities. Mm-hmm. And and sadly, you know when you know in nineteen ninety three the you know the, the Deep Space Nine writers room was probably seeing the the la race riots Mm -hmm. you know and that was their inspiration for writing about the bell riots yes yet you know yet over 20 years later humanity is still you know committing the same ills that it did in the 1990s you know in in the 2020s unfortunately
2: yes you're right i mean i never thought about the george george floyd connection that's really interesting you
1: brought that up yeah yeah it makes sense the timeline almost matches up. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I know. I know we were talking in the last episode about timelines in Star Trek. You know, in us being in in you know in the 2020s when all of these events are supposed to start happening, in, you know to ensure the Trek timeline, mm-hmm. they're 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 happening in different orders, different times, but and. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't think we're any closer to creating Starfleet now, but no, or warp <laughs> only Yeah. Yeah. Years away. <laughs> I think we've got a lot more things to solve first, Absolutely. but Hey, you know, you never know. Yeah. You never know. Exactly. Yeah. It's, and you know, I'm not the first person to have picked up on that by a long shot, you know, as far as the, the connections to George Floyd. I mean, there are, there, I, I would just, you know, I, I, thought about that while watching the episode and of course took to Google and I found six, seven, eight articles just on the first page of Google exploring that connection Mm -hmm. between Trek and and George Floyd. And obviously, you know, we're not trying to turn into political show here, but you know, Star Trek has always been about calling out social inequality and social ills and, and trying to get us to, to, you know, to think differently and, and, be more open and, 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 kind to our fellow man. And unfortunately we, we haven't been beat over the head enough with this message as a humanity, as humanity, as a human race. Right. Exactly. So take that how you will, <laughs> but you know, it's, I, I assume if you're a fan of this show, you at least understand what Trek has been trying to teach us for all these years. Right. Mm-hmm. I would hope that our listeners are, you know, are, are savvy that way. Absolutely. So, yeah. Any any final thoughts, Chris, on on Cisco and why? I don't know if I I, I know he's probably not your favorite star or captain in, in Star Trek, mm-hmm. but any any final thoughts to why he deserves to be recognized among the top captains?
2: Just the fact that he he's he's such a flawed character, and you see, he 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 didn't embrace that at first, but finally he did embrace it, and he grew from from the traumas that he has been through. I, I loved Cisco growing up as when I, he was when, when deep space nine was on, I started, I was in sixth grade and I, it ended two weeks or a week before I graduated from high school. So I got to watch him change from the, the who he was in emissary all the way to what you leave behind. And it was just I've always respected him because he was he was not afraid to express his thoughts or feelings. He valued Uh his crew. He valued the the larger picture of everybody in in the Bajoran system, in the Bajoran system as a protector of them, but also as a protector of basically the entire Alpha Quadrant by defending the wormhole from the Dominion. He was just a very strong kind of character that you wouldn't have. In a different way than you would have seen, like we talked about earlier with with Kirk and Picard, the way they would have handled things, they wouldn't have fit on Deep Space Nine. There's just, there's just no way right. they would have. The only I'm gonna this is just a little bit of a joke, but my honorable mention for for Cisco is the first season episode Q-less, for one reason. <laughs> He's the only human being that's ever punched out Q.
1: <laughs> you hit me, Picard never hit me. I'm not Picard. Thank you for completing the line. I was. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Did you forget the line? (laughs) No, 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 no. I didn't forget the line. I was just hoping you would answer with the response. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's funny that you know that you mentioned that as an honorable mention. I you know leading up to us recording this episode, I had asked for some feedback mm. from some folks on and you know that are fans of GNN to, to find out what they loved about Picard, and I, I cannot remember the person's name, but there there was a person who you know his response to the the question in the in the post was you know you hit me Picard never hit me, mm-hmm. and you know naturally my response was uh, I'm not Picard, but I, I cannot remember his name, but you know, thank you for, uh, for, you know, for that. (laughs) And, and Chris, you know, it, it comes back around. Yeah.
0: Exactly. (laughs) Uh,
1: Yeah. Our, our fans, you know, uh, I guess, you know, fans of Cisco also like that moment as much as we do.
2: It's amazing. (laughs) Just that one little scene, how much that's popular with Trek fans. (laughs)
1: Right, right. So we didn't get a whole lot of comments, but I, I do want to co- highlight the couple that we did get. So mm-hmm. to to Joseph Madden, he loved how Cisco could scare the crap out of you without even raising his voice. Mm-hmm. All he had to do was inject that that Cisco growl into a conversation, and you were ready to piss yourself. <laughs> that is a
2: very that is a good comment that he made because if you're, I don't know if you remember, but one of the first episodes with Esri Dax when she was talking to Cisco. She told Cisco that that he intimidates Worf, the only person yeah. who ever intimidated
1: Worf, not even Picard did, but Cisco does. <laughs> That's impressive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And then we had another comment from Brian Downs. He had this to say, Cisco is the only captain of the TNG era that the Borg never bothered. It was almost as if Q warned them about him. Mm-hmm. Benjamin also walked the fine line between being a Starfleet CEO and the central religious figure of Bajor and succeeded more often than not. Mm. He's, he's also the only TNG era captain to conquer an extinction level threat in the dominion with the use of time travel Mm -hmm. or by being forced to be part of the other side.
2: Mm. Very interesting. That's that's an interesting point.
1: I think he meant to say without, I think he meant to say without, the use of time travel okay or being forced to be part of the other side right i think that makes that makes more sense
2: yeah i'm wondering if he's talking about how cisco was able to convince the prophets to eliminate the dominion fleet in the wormhole is that part maybe what he's talking about
1: so he as far as time travel the only way that janeway was able to eliminate an extinction level threat in the borg was by using time travel Ah,
2: that's right okay
1: And then Picard not being – he was able to – or he was only able to beat the Borg by being forced to be part of the other side. Okay. I got it. I think that – yeah. So I think that's what he was saying is that that Cisco didn't rely on gimmicks, for lack of a better word, to eliminate the Dominion, to eliminate the threat.
2: Okay. Okay. That makes sense.
1: Yeah. So – Brian, thank you. And, and Joseph, thank you for commenting. We appreciate it. Oh, Brian also wanted to let us know that his favorite episodes, the first six of season six, plus In the Pale Moonlight, Emissary, and Way of the Warrior.
2: Mm, nice. Good good selections.
1: Yeah. I know we picked two of those at least. I'm not sure if any of the other episodes were in that first six block of season six, mm-hmm. and then none of us picked Way of the Warrior, but mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's... That's another phenomenal episode, and easily could have made any of our lists absolutely yeah all right, I think that's gonna do it for us for this episode of Captain's logs and lightsabers podcast. You guys heard earlier about Mark's shows, Chris, why don't you tell us about your projects?
2: Oh, so I like I've said before, I just have a small little YouTube channel that I do called Pittsburgh's Trek chat where I talk about different. F- facets of the of the star trek universe different episodes different uh, different topics i try to get episodes out as much as i can just working working in private practice it's hard to get episodes out but i still in the meantime i'm planning different things that i want to talk about that are going to be kind of fun so you can just go on youtube type in pittsburgh's trek chat and it'll take you directly to my channel
1: all right. As before, I really don't have any other projects that I work on aside from appearing on a couple other podcasts from time to time. So for now, find me here or, or connect with me on social media at just a Disney geek. That's pretty much my ID anywhere you look uh, on social media. So find me, friend me, you'll get to see my exploits and such on there. But until the next episode of Captain's Logs and Lightsabers, may the force be with you. And live long and prosper. Good night, everybody. Good night.